This is the Winnipeg Crime Stoppers podcast. See something, say something. Winnipeg Crime Stoppers. A podcast where we discuss crime prevention, awareness, our community involvement, those who are wanted, and unsolved crimes. My name is Shalinda Kirby, and I'll be your host. I'm joined by Constable Doug Singleton of the Winnipeg Police Service and Chair of Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, Rob McKenzie. Gun violence is a global issue. It's a daily tragedy affecting the lives of individuals around the world. According to Stats Canada, there were 8,047 victims of violent crime where a firearm was present in 2021. There's a lot of guns on the streets these days, and the people who have them um, have obtained them through illegal means. Again, the whole idea of the, the, the illegal firearms. Um, they don't have training on how to properly handle these guns. A lot of these people that have them don't have the know-how to to handle them properly. They're they're modifying a lot of these guns to the point where they're actually dangerous to even be holding. And in, and a lot of the times that this leads to people being hurt. And quite often it's fatal. Uh, there's a, we have a lot of different fatalities that are involved in these illegal firearms. Like in a non-empirical sort of thing, I've been around with the Winnipeg Police Service for 20, 20 and a half years now. And I see a rise in, in those particular types of crimes occurring and those kind of situations occurring. And um, if we can stir up some people to to go, you know, I, I kind of know somebody who has a gun that's improperly stored or I, I know somebody who has a gun and they're not, they don't have a license for it. Then they can give us a call and, and uh, or, or, you know, submit a tip online and give us some information on that. And hopefully we can take those guns out of the hands of people who really shouldn't have them. Winnipeg had the highest firearm homicide rate of any major Canadian city in 2020. Winnipeg police responded to more than 670,000 calls in 2021, a year that saw violent crime rise by 5%. The number of calls for service involving shootings has been steadily rising over the past couple of years. Last summer alone, 408 guns were seized by Winnipeg Police Service. This episode is all about illegal firearms. And joining us is Chair of Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, Rob McKenzie. As a licensed, registered, law-abiding firearms owner, uh, someone who participates in all the different various sports and firearm-related you know, sports and activities and disciplines, uh, I'm particularly passionate about illegal firearms when it comes to illegal firearms. I'm a member of a number of different communities in the, in the firearms communities, and, and all the responsible licensed firearms owners kind of all share the same view. Uh, and they detest illegal guns and gun crime uh, because it really gives the firearms community, those those that are law-abiding and responsible and follow the rules and store their firearms properly and transport them properly, it really gives that community a, a black eye and a bad name and really, really harms their sports. So to be able to get the message out there to people about what to look for and how to spot those straw purchases and if they know somebody who has unsafe, unsafe storage or firearms that, you know, are just laying around in their garage, it's, it's really important to, to encourage them to come forward and make that because the majority of the members that I've spoken to anyways uh, want to get the illegal guns off the street and want to keep the, the guns off of the criminals. You, you really have to go through the process in order to appreciate what someone has to do in order to become 
a responsible firearms owner and really earn that privilege. So it, it probably starts with your hunter safety course. Uh, and when you're taking your hunter safety course, one of the things that really stood out for me was the instructor said, you're only allowed to make two mistakes. And there was some silence and everybody kind of looked at each other and thought, I got to get 98% on this test. And then he, you know, he quite seriously said, because it only takes one mistake to kill someone. So there's a very high bar set for these tests and these courses. And then of course, just to, you know, for non-restricted for hunting, you're literally taking two courses, the hunter safety course, and then the purchase and acquisition license course. So the non-restricted course, uh, which is a full eight hour day course with both written and practical exams at the end of it. And then if you wanted to get into, you know, target shooting and pistol and things like that, there's a restricted course, which is again, another eight hour course. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there that uh, this is not an anti-gun podcast and, and we're not against firearm, the responsible ownership and use of firearms in Canada. We just want to get the illegal guns and the guns that are improperly stored off of the streets and out of the hands of criminals. Again, as a police officer, a lot of the people that I work with own their own guns, uh, you know, along with being issued a gun. And, and I know that there are several guys, friends of mine on the job who basically um, they go to the next level when it comes to their firearms and it, when, it, when it comes to storing them. They, they basically make sure that their, their ammunition and the firearms are nowhere near each other because that's a big no-no. They make sure that their their trigger locks are applied to those particular guns because that makes it a lot harder for the person who's stealing it if somebody steals it to, to actually get a, be able to use it and then they actually hide them within their house i know myself when i used to take have to take my gun home because i had training the next day i would actually do all of those things put it away and hide my the, the firearm itself in, in a drawer somewhere underneath some stuff just so that if somebody breaks into my house uh, they're not going to be able to get get at my firearm because I don't want to be responsible for putting a gun into somebody's hands. And and uh, that's a common theme throughout legal gun owners and, and lawful gun owners. They, they they go to that next level to try and protect it because a lot of times just on a on a completely financial thing, there's they have a lot of money tied up in these guns because they're not inexpensive. Like a lot of these these firearms are worth a lot of money. Um, it's the people who get them through nefarious sort of means. Uh, like we were talking about straw purchasers. So basically a straw purchaser is... Somebody who has gotten their firearms license and can legally purchase firearms, but they take those firearms that they've purchased and then they sell them to people who don't have firearms licenses. That's what's referred to as a, as a straw purchaser. And a lot of times what will happen is somewhere down the lines, that person who now has the gun who shouldn't have the gun, officers will quite possibly arrest him with that gun, charge him with it. Then they look up the gun, serial numbers on it, and they find out that it belongs to this person. And then they go talk to that person and their story will be something along the lines of that they they stored their, their firearm in their detached garage or it was, you know, in some sort of an outbuilding sort of thing. Well, that's not at all responsible. I mean, like you shouldn't be storing a gun in a detached garage or a garage or anything along those lines and certainly not in a gun safe. But that, that's the whole idea behind the straw purchaser thing is that um, you have people who have obtained the right to purchase guns, but they don't do it legally. They're going to they're gonna buy that gun and then they're going to sell it to somebody who shouldn't have that gun. Yeah, there was a big story a couple of years ago in Edmonton uh, where an individual in his 20s, he had, uh, he had purchased 75 handguns over a short period of time. And, and of course, in Canada, all restricted firearms, so which include handguns, 
uh, have to be registered so the government knows that these purchases are being made and then of course they monitor it diligently and so they they under the firearms act if you're in possession of firearms they have the right to come to your premises and inspect your premises to ensure that you're following safe storage laws to prevent you know firearms from being stolen and getting into the wrong hands but uh, yeah when they went to this individual's house they actually found that a he didn't have 74 of the 75 he had purchased he had sold them to somebody else so they had gotten into the hands of criminals via that way and uh, he was actually filing the serial number off his most recent purchase uh to sell back to the public so straw purchasing is definitely a huge problem and one of the ways that uh firearms can get into the hands of people that that shouldn't have them I think that straw purchasing almost uh, sometimes go, goes hand in hand with uh, unsafe storage. Um, a lot of these straw purchasers will use that excuse that um, that they had their gun stored somewhere and they hadn't looked for it for a while. And then all of a sudden, you know, the police coming to their door and want to know where it is and oh, it must have been stolen. Well, that happens once, maybe that happens, but it, like a lot of these straw purchasers, it'll be multiple times and sooner or later they lose their right to purchase a gun. So the, the unsafe storage, the straw purchasers quite often go hand in hand. Another big problem is the smugglers. There's only so many ways that people who don't have a license can purchase or can get their hands on an illegal gun. Uh, another one of those is smugglers. And, and we're seeing that quite a bit is that people go down to the United States and they bring back guns that they don't declare, obviously, or they come back um, and, and they're smuggling those firearms. Because basically, you, if you're down in the States, you can buy whatever whatever kind of firearm you could possibly imagine, put it in the trunk of your car, and you hope that you don't get caught at the border or you hide it somewhere. Sometimes it's multiple firearms. So the smugglers are a huge issue. And again, the people who are purchasing a firearm from a smuggler quite often aren't storing their guns properly they don't know how to handle them properly and 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 their concern isn't for the general safety of of the citizens of winnipeg or manitoba or canada or anybody for that matter they have those guns for personal protection because they're involved in illegal activities and if they have to protect their themselves or their money or their drugs then they're going to start using it we see quite often um people who have no skills when it comes to guns and don't know how to handle them properly and all of a sudden are using them can lead to a lot of um, very awful outcomes. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want to see anybody shot and killed, but quite often the, the, the intended victim of a shooting with an illegal gun isn't necessarily the only victim. We've, I've been involved in, in cases where uh, the person who is the intended victim walks away, but uh, you have somebody else who, who suffers fatal injuries as a result of that firing of the gun and other people who are wounded and how more people weren't killed and wounded is is an absolute like roll of the dice sort of thing and it was luck crazy that we didn't have more of a more of a, a terrible outcome yeah i don't know how many times i've seen a TikTok video or instagram or not uh, you know on facebook where you see somebody who should not have a gun and clearly has no training or experience or trigger discipline or anything else that goes with, uh, you know, in Canada, they call it act and prove uh, is the acronym for safe handling. And they end up shooting the ceiling in their mother's basement or, you know, shooting themselves in the foot, or you just see constant videos on the internet with stuff like that. It's important that if you know somebody who has a firearm and you suspect that they shouldn't, that Crime Stoppers gives you that opportunity to, to make that anonymous call. If they are a legal registered firearms owner and they're allowed to have it, 
then that will come out and there'll be no harm, no foul. But it's important to report these things. And, and especially, as we noted earlier, the unsafe storage, because the storage laws in Canada are pretty clear. They're pretty black and white. Uh, an individual may store a non-restricted firearm only if it's A, unloaded, B, rendered un- inoperable by means of secure, secure locking device. So this is only for non-restricted firearms. So it has to either have a trigger lock on it or a wire through the firing mechanism, or if it's a bolt-action rifle, the bolt has to be removed so that it's inoperable or stored in a container receptacle or room that is kept securely locked that is constructed so that it cannot be readily broken open or into. And again, the ammunition has to be stored separately. So that's for non-restricted. So your hunting rifles, your shotguns, things of that nature. Uh, storage of restricted firearms is a lot more stricter. They have to be, uh, again, unloaded. They have to have a secure locking device. So either a trigger lock or a wire lock that goes through the, the breach of the firearm. Uh, and again, it has to be stored in, in a safe or a, an approved locking cabinet. So if, you know, if anybody knows somebody out there who has, you know, grandpa's old shotgun laying out in the garage or laying out in the barn, those are things that need to be addressed. Whether you try to address that, you know, if, if it's a friend of yours and say, hey, that needs to be locked up, uh, get them to lock it up. And if not, then, you know, you should probably report it to keep those guns from being stolen in a break and enter and ending up on the streets in the hands of criminals. On the other hand, I mean, if you're not a legal gun owner, but you have a gun because it's something that your grandfather owned and you now live in his house or something to that effect, don't be afraid to call the Winnipeg police and say, hey, I've got this gun in my house. I don't want it here. These are the circumstances. This is like a family heirloom sort of thing, but I I don't want the responsibility for here. I was cleaning the garage the other day. I was cleaning the attic. I was cleaning the basement and I came upon my my grandfather's old rifle, hunting rifle. And it's, I don't have the ways and means. I don't have a license for this thing. I just like it to be dealt with. Um, It's in my basement right now. If you could send an officer to come pick it up, that would be fantastic. I will leave it where it is. He can come get it. I won't touch it. They can deal with um, that particularly. Um, throughout the year, there's there's quite often they'll have something called a firearms amnesty with people who have firearms or, or ammunition that they're allowed to, um, to turn them in without there being any kind of uh, criminal element to it. So basically, in, unless you've done something illegal with that gun, you can't commit a murder and then wait for the, the firearms amnesty to come along and then go, oh, well, here's my gun. Um, it, it's basically, it's just like in the circumstance that I just mentioned, it's like you've got this gun in your house that belonged to your your uncle or your grandfather or something along the lines, and, and you don't want it in your house, then that, that gives you an opportunity to get rid of it. Because the last thing you want is to be responsible for having your house broken into and somebody finding that gun. And then next thing you know, it's being used in an offense because it, it's a jackpot for anybody who breaks into a house and they're not expecting a gun and they find one those guys i mean those guns are are very valuable on the street rob had talked earlier about um shaving the uh and and filing the 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 serial numbers off of guns and whatnot so that they they're not traceable they can't you know from one province to the other where did this come from well now we don't know if it was stolen from a breaking error that's a separate criminal charge altogether with as well though um if officers find somebody in possession of a, uh, a firearm that has the serial number filed off of it. Well, you know, it's a crime gun. It's been involved in, in, in probably many different crimes. So if, if again, if we, if we have listeners and, and you know somebody who has a gun and you're like, well, how come that there's that, that sanding mark on there? How come there's bare metal there? Um, that's, a, that's a sign that, that that's a crime gun. The person who has it shouldn't have it, uh, probably doesn't have a license. 
and that gun is definitely not registered and has probably been used in crimes in the past, give us a call, send us a tip online and, and we'll, uh, we'll see to it that that gun is taken off the streets so that somebody doesn't get hurt. Like that person could have that gun. They could hurt themselves with it for all we know. We had a case not that long ago where there was a small child in a house and babysitter was watching the kid and all of a sudden the little guy comes out of a bedroom and he's got a gun in his hand. It turns out that it was loaded. The babysitter was able to get the gun off the child without much happening and then the gun was accidentally discharged and somebody was actually hit with it. It wasn't fatal, uh, minor injuries from what I understand, but that's just a, a case of somebody having a gun that they shouldn't and it being not stored properly. I mean, at the end of the day, if that gun has a trigger lock on it and it's stored in a proper firearms box uh, without any ammunition in it or around it, then we don't have that issue. It's far too easy if it's ready to be fired. Uh, I don't know anybody who stores guns in my line of work that have bullets in them. There's there's no way that you're gonna store a gun with ammunition in it because it's just not the right thing to do. There's too many bad things that can happen uh, with that firearm for sure. Yeah, one of the other things we should talk about is uh, the advances in technology uh, over the years has enabled the manufacturing of ghost guns, as they're commonly referred to, basically using a 3D printer to print the material and then make up these makeshift guns. Police in Canada seized more than 100 3D printed guns last year. 3D printed guns fall into a category of homemade firearms referred to as ghost guns, in part because they're untraceable. In December, Winnipeg police announced they had made arrests after a criminal network solicited and paid legitimate 3D printer services to manufacture firearm receivers. So I know I know in the firearms community, there's a lot of talk about it and, and just how unsafe these things actually are because of the components that's being used. And they're, they're essentially plastic with a metal sleeve for the barrel and then, uh, you know, some type of improvised firing pins. So you see in the news lot, uh, lately that a lot of these zip guns or ghost guns or 3d print guns manufactured guns these homemade guns are, are really starting to appear more and more yeah i mean they're very professional too i mean when, when i was uh, working as a as a firearms um analyst sort of thing doing the, the the forensics on firearms we had started to see some people who had actually built firearms like pistols out of plate metal so they were layering the plate metal and then they were using some sort of plasma cutter or whatnot to cut out a very rudimentary gun shape they'd make their own grips with uh with some wood and then they would have a um, a very rudimentary um firing mechanism and i mean they started out it was almost like a progression the first ones that we saw was like is this gonna get a fire like could it fire yeah, maybe by the time i had left the unit after a year the ones that we were getting were like wow that's pretty impressive like that is definitely going to be able to fire uh, a, a bullet it's going ammunition will definitely be able to be discharged through this thing and they were making them so that the barrel themselves were were was pretty high quality a lot of the ones that you're talking about rob are like you've got the the zip guns and the, the slam fires and whatnot and what they're using to bake those guns is is not something that um that meets the standards of what you would require to to make an actual firearm that isn't going to be a detriment to somebody after a time after a certain amount of time i mean most firearms have to um have stringent testing on them that the, the barrels will last for x amount of discharges and all of the components of it will last for x amount of discharges on them I, haven't, I didn't run into any 3D printed ones, but I did get uh, a chance to examine any zip guns, slam fires, and just improvised firing devices is what the technical term for it is. And some of them were probably closer to a bomb than they were to firearm because the components that they were made out of would have never, ever been able to handle the explosive power of 
uh, whatever it was that was striking that firing pin, the small explosion, and then that bullet or that lead being projected through whatever they were using as as a barrel, it would have it would have just exploded in that person's face, and who knows what would have happened at that point in time. And again, I mean, when you're doing all of this stuff, you haven't passed any of those tests, you haven't gotten any training on how to deal with these things properly, and and it's just a recipe for disaster, I think. So I guess one of the questions I would have for Doug from uh, you know his police experiences background is more so for the general public that know nothing about firearms on kind of what to look for and what to spot. So like for me personally, uh, I know when I go hunting in the morning, uh, it's usually pretty early. Most people when they're, when they're going out and they're going hunting, it's, it's probably going to be about, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning, depending on the season. But it looks like, you know, it literally looks like I'm going to war. Uh, you know, you've got the camouflage on and the camo hat and, you know, you're carrying the cases and you got your lunch cooler and your coffee cooler. Um, I think for me, generally, my neighbors would look at me and say, oh, yeah, he's going hunting. So that would be, you know, less threatening. But from your perspective, Doug, what should the average person that knows nothing about firearms look for in their community? If you're around somebody who has firearms and you're not certain if um, they should have firearms. Just look for how they treat those things. I mean, at the end of the day, they're actually, a, they're a very powerful tool um, that could do a lot of damage. If if the person who has those firearms isn't treating them with respect and and some like apprehension, if they're treating them with nonchalance, they're, they, they, their finger goes anywhere near the trigger while they're handling them. If, if they're just basically dealing with them like they would a toy or something, but you know that they're a real firearm, then that person should not have a firearm, whether they've got the license or not. At the end of the day, we're just as interested in people who are not storing them or handling them properly as we are people who shouldn't illegally have them. At the end of the day, they one leads to the other. When you're looking at a gun, it, it, it'll be obvious, has it, it, it been modified at all? If you're with somebody and they have a gun that's been cut down, that gun is illegal and it shouldn't be looking like that, give us a call. If you have somebody who obviously has as the the serial number, as we mentioned earlier, has been obliterated, again, that's a that's a tip to give us a call because hunters and people who own those guns, there's a certain reverence um, between gun owners and and those and those firearms because they they treat them and and they view them as as very essential tools. Gun collectors. Um, are like collectors of anything else. They they take care of them. Um, you'll never have somebody who owns a gun legally deface them or handle them improperly or modify them in any manner that is obvious. Um, so if you are seeing those sort of things from somebody that you know has a gun, then please let us know about it and we can deal with it. Make sure that in your tip, you give us information that doesn't necessarily identify you either. Be broad about the information uh, we can do. We can work wonders with, with, with tips, but we prefer that if you're providing us with a tip on somebody with, with firearms, that, that that tip doesn't identify you in any manner either. But yeah, it's, it's super important that if you see somebody handling a gun nonchalantly or you see that the gun has been modified, those are the two big ones for me, then, then definitely uh, give us a call. Somebody who sticks a gun down the front of their pants is definitely somebody who should own a gun. That's like something right out of a movie and it is as dangerous a move as you could possibly imagine. So we see people on YouTube and, and not YouTube, but on Facebook and whatnot, posing with guns, their fingers near the trigger and they're pointing it at something. It's like, that's crazy. The finger never goes on the trigger unless you're willing to shoot somebody, something or somebody. 
Um, those are all the signs that I think are come to mind immediately is just that nonchalance, the modifications and the handling of, of that gun will tell you right away if that person should have that gun or shouldn't. So in Canada, they teach ACT. So ACT is always uh, treat it like it's loaded. So I know that when I'm discussing firearms or, or showing somebody my firearms collection, um, one of the first things you do is is make sure it's unloaded. So, I mean, if if you're over at somebody's house and they're showing you a firearm, they should prove and they should check to make sure that that firearm's unloaded. Regardless of how many times you know it's unloaded or you were the one who put it away, one of the, the Ten Commandments of Firearms, they call it, is to A, always make sure um, that it's unloaded. And then the A in ACT is to always control the direction of the muzzle. So the end of the gun should either, it should always be pointed in a safe direction. So either downward towards the floor or up in the air, but never in an unsafe direction or never towards somebody. And then that's, so that's the C, the control the muzzle. So you always want to make sure that, that, that it's pointed in that safe direction. And then T is for trigger. You never, ever put your finger inside the trigger guard or anywhere near the trigger guard uh, until you're ready to pull that trigger. So that's, that's a great point for, you know, especially the sticking down the pants thing and the pointing it sideways and things of that nature. They are a very expensive tool used in hunting. You know, a hockey player is his hockey stick, uh, a firearm to a skeet shooter, target shooter. And yeah, they're, they're definitely treated and highly respected and cared for very carefully, especially when it comes to the gun collectors. And just coming off of what Rob just said, there are times when there is no safe direction to pointing a firearm. If you are living in an apartment block and you live on a middle floor, there is no safe direction to be pointing a firearm. So it should never, ever be handled in those places. So if you're with somebody in an apartment block and they are um, waving a gun around, as Rob said, the first thing that you have to do is prove that that gun is safe. And, and every time I took my gun home, my daughter would want to go, oh, can I touch it? I'm like, yeah, but you know what? Here's what has to happen first. I have to make sure that it's that there's no bullets in there. Well, you did that already. I did that already, but I'll do it again. And I will continue to do that. It's something that they teach us on the range when we're doing our firearms training. Uh, you check that gun hundreds of times during the day. You're making sure that it's clear. You're making sure that there's um, it's safe. You, you never pointed at anything other than down range. If you're in an apartment block or um, if somebody lives in the house or the, the, the walls won't stop bullets, floors won't stop bullets and your ceiling won't stop a bullet. So some places there just aren't any safe directions to point a firearm. And that would definitely be another, another tip that the person who's handling it shouldn't have it. Thanks for listening. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow. Crime Stoppers is an anonymous way to provide police with information about a crime or potential crime that you have knowledge of. You never have to reveal your identity. And the best part, if your tip leads to an arrest, we pay you a cash reward. You can submit a tip by calling 1-800-222-TIPS or send an anonymous tip online on our website, winnipegcrimestoppers.com. Until next time, my name is Shalinda Kirby, and remember... See something, say something.